Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport.fnr. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! It is Tuesday, the 10th of May 2022, and just 24 hours before this program went to air, Jason Goldsmith, we have the Premiers finally crowned, but the mathematical equation did go, well I was going to say down to the final game, but the penultimate game of the A-League men's season, despite the best efforts of Melbourne victory, despite the best efforts of Western United. And despite the best efforts of the Melbourne victory fans too. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Despite the best efforts of all those involved, Melbourne City have held out to become premiers of the A-League men's competition. Yes, back-to-back for Melbourne City. Um, An amazing game last night just in terms of a a spectacle. I I went along. And, um, yeah, to see the away... Active, so uh, large and uh, invested yeah. in the game. It was a very, very interesting approach. Yeah, it, it was. It was absolutely wild, and we'll get to uh, get to chat about that. We've got plenty of. Um, it's been a good week for Australian football in, in in terms of not just locally but internationally. Really, well, it's it's led it's led the sport on uh, the last few days. We've had um, uh, from Scotland, then we've had from England, and then we've had from uh, Australia and Melbourne. Uh, leading the sport coverage on most of the you TV can, networks. And, and, and you know, we all know how good of a week it yep. has to be in Australian soccer or football, whatever yes. you like to call it. For us to get that paper coverage, for us to be doing the rounds, it has to be big ticket stuff. And they were good, they were good reasons too. They were exactly. Real, they were great reasons, all of them. Well, so it's Ange Postacoglu on the verge yep. of, of glory with, with Celtic. Yes. Um, you know, Sam Kerr's exploits with Chelsea both as an individual and as a team. We'll get into all of that later. We'll have Pakua Frimpong jumping on the air with us as well mm-hmm. to talk a bit of that Sam Kerr stuff. But we will start off with with the domestic side of things. And as we said, Melbourne City, despite the best efforts of, of everyone involved, Western United, Melbourne Victory, the fans of Melbourne Phoenix, as I'm going to call them, or, yes. or Wellington Victory, whatever you like, for last night, uh, could not keep Melbourne City away from the Premier's plate. They ran out 2-1 winners in a bit of a nervy game. All things considered, last night against Wellington, it was, and they're the, they're the first back-to-back uh, Premier's Plate winners since Sydney. And of course, Sydney didn't go on to do the double. That was the famous uh, semi-loss with a Terry Antonis uh, goal. So, um, but City did it the hard way. You've got to remember they have been uh, stuck in Asia for the Asian Champions League, and they came home via Perth to play against the Glory last week uh, in what should have been a formality. Glory have got probably one of the worst records in the history of the A League. And they managed to beat City 2-0. So uh, City could have wrapped it up last week, last week, 
which gave us the, uh, the, uh, the chances of having all top three Melbourne teams a chance of winning the Premier's Plate going into games this weekend, which, again, we don't have uh, simultaneous kickoffs like we do in, uh, in most other leagues for the final Much round. The, the chagrin of many people involved. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that a bit later. So as it turns out, City had to win to win the Plates if a draw or a loss would have seen Melbourne victory take it over. And, and just kudos to the, the victory fans that turned up. They, they, they have come from 12th. To second, one point off the title. It's been an amazing mm. season for mm. them on the back of Tony Popovich and the rest of it. Um, and then they made a lot of noise for Wellington Phoenix last night, a lot of noise, probably louder than the, the City home fans, to be honest. But uh, for good reason, they were trying to uh, get a slip up, but it didn't happen. They did, and it, it, it led to a very weird, obviously very weird atmosphere in the sense that it was somehow the the group of people making the biggest noise at the stadium on the night were the one club that did not have a team competing on the evening which is rare it's, it's yeah but, but that almost became a bigger at a lot of points a bigger spectacle than than the game itself the atmosphere was great the atmosphere was great i was i was sitting more in the ga section more towards the the city active fans uh, with my kids but it made for a great atmosphere but i think i mean maybe the A-League have done some good things in terms of, of ticketing and what Melbourne City did as a goodwill gesture going into this last round was uh, kids go free and uh, members get a guest pass as well. And for those that have bought tickets online, it's just a code that you, you plug in to get that free ticket. So Melbourne Victory fans and members got a hold of those codes and managed to uh, stack up the crowd in numbers and numbers and numbers without giving any money over to the City mm. Football Group for paying. And that's why the active was so big and strong, because they got their free tickets. And what else were you want to do on a Monday night? Then uh, perhaps cheer on your greatest rival to drop the ball and, and then take the plate. But that didn't occur. Well, it's an interesting one. I mean, if you're, if you're Melbourne City, if you're their, their ticketing office or whoever's mm. really in charge of this, are you... How do you feel about the fact that the majority of redeemers for your free ticket scheme were fans of a completely different team? Because a lot of a lot of online conjecture that we've seen between Victory and City fans yes. in the aftermath of this game is all about oh we've taken more of these free tickets than you have we've taken advantage yeah, yeah I of think the it, yeah it's um I think they're all trolling each other it, it probably adds to the rivalry somewhat mm. locky because um. I'm, I'm sure they don't get a cut of the of the um, of the food and beverage from Amy Park. I'm sure that just goes to the venue. So, in terms of city handing out all these free tickets, what they've done is this added to the atmosphere. And and luckily, the atmosphere was actually a lot of fun and full of banter. Um, and and even towards the end, when when City had the win, and uh, you had Andrew Naboot and you had Jamie McLaren and Scott Galloway mm. run straight out and wave. Their thank you to well, the victory and, fans and for the turning city, up. The city photographer Alex Jason was in on the act as Alex, well. Alex, I did say he threw a big left left punch in the air as well. He was pretty happy. So, like, it added to the atmosphere. And then the victory fans hang, hang around till the end. So, when they were doing their walk around with the plates, um, the city fans, the city players, made a point of walking towards the the victory fans at the end and gave them a clap and didn't get a clap back. Well, but, this, this, the interesting thing is because it's something we were discussing off air is that. For you, who who went to the game, I was here, so I couldn't yep. attend in person. But you were there um, with your kids, and you you were surprised that that at two nil with because uh, City dominated this first half of the game. They had two; they could very easily have had more. Jamie McLaren, a few shots that yep. came off the yep. post. You were shocked that they didn't fair play. They hung around, didn't, didn't no, no. shoot off after yep. after City pulled to what looked like at the time an unassailable lead. But to their credit. 
the fact that they did stay around and the noise they continued to make, I think it really changed this game in the second 45 because Wellington completely grew into it. And right up until stoppage time, they were actually looking at a chance to grab an equaliser and and make this interesting. It's an interesting one for the Phoenix, right? So they had made the finals already um, and so they had nothing really to play for, you know. They're playing Western United on the same track this Saturday coming, so you want to get Mm. um, used to it. So Rene Piscopo came on at halftime, so you're probably playing a few players that you may not play for the finals, rest and, and see what you're going. So they really didn't have much to play for in that respect. But I guess the crowd would have buoyed them a lot and, and got them moving. But the first 10 minutes, um, Gamulka, who hasn't had many minutes for, for Melbourne City, took both of those corners and put them straight on, on the, in the right spot. So one, the first one was an own goal and the second one was Jamie McLaren um, come charging in for a header. So 2-0 within 10 minutes and you thought, I think you know the crowd might... Um, at the other end, the away supporters might actually um, get a little bit smaller, but they didn't. And then, of course, Phoenix scored in the in the second half to make it 2-1 and a little nervy knowing that it's only one more goal to get there. So they did their best, but uh, in the end, yeah, City too strong last night. Yeah, it, it wasn't enough in the end, and, and Melbourne City for now do obviously hold the, the highest honours that they currently can. They've got the premiers play, but... Has it, looking over the course of the season, Jason, has it, for your for your mind, been a a convincing Premier's plate win? Uh, no, I think they've limped in towards the end here. And, and a lot of people are saying they haven't beaten a team in the top four. So that's victory, Western United and Adelaide United. They haven't got mm. a, a straight win over any of those three. Whereas victory have stormed into second uh, in terms of their form, uh, including, you know, wins over City and United and the like. So, um but then in saying that, they've got the similar record to last year. They've actually done it. They were have been the best team all year. Goal difference has proved that. The win-loss draw record has proven that as well. So um, it's going to be an interesting um, an interesting final series. They'll get to have a rest now. They've secured the Premier's plate. Don't, don't play again until middle of next week. Mm. And given they've been uh, overseas and on the road for a little while, it actually comes in very handy for them, I would think, to reset and recharge and see who they play in the semis. Well... Melbourne victory. They've lost the battle, obviously, mm. in terms of the Premier's plate. Yep. They had a great win over, over Sydney FC, who had nothing to play for Correct. over the weekend. Yep. But it it was a win that was emphatic and done in some style. Are yes. they, do they, I mean, based off what you said, at least, they stand as your sort of front runners to, to win the war that is the A-League men's season? I reckon in form-wise victory, yeah. They've, they've been there before. They definitely get the, <laughs> they'll get a home crowd advantage, even if they're the away team, if they're playing City or Western United. We know that. They've got all the support here in Melbourne. Um, and they've got guys in form. They're, they're doing the jobs. Um, we'll see what happens. It's handy for them. I think first and second now with a week off and then the semifinals being a home and away leg now for this season. And they uh, both of those teams will be playing the second leg. So they'll have, they'll have they'll know what they have to do at home in the second leg. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I, I just feel as well that, that the, the two-legged format in particular in mm. those semifinals, I feel as though that's really suited towards... Tony Popovich football with no away goal considerations or, yep. or that sort of thing. This is a team who over the stretch, obviously, it took them some some time, but they are just really good, particularly against the opponents that are close by them, grinding out results. And their form against the rest of the top four sort of speaks to that when they haven't when they haven't been able to beat one of these opponents outright, most of the time they've been able to get a draw against those Correct, two sides, yeah. playing with really, really, you know, a really compact system, not allowing a lot of space in between the lines. And in particular, Melbourne City, if these two teams do shape up against each other in a two-legged format, 
it's not beyond the realms of possibility, or they won't they won't see each other in the semifinals, obviously, because of the the way yeah, things are set up. Yep. But in, in a regular ninety minutes, um, I, I don't know. I, I think I think victory would probably feel that they they've got the upper upper hand, particularly on the basis of the the last meeting they had between the two sides. Yeah, and if you want to talk about the form of the goalkeeper Tom Glover as well, so that might play into their hands feels as well. As in, uh, more and more with each passing day, uh, cruelly and ironically named. <laughs> well, he didn't have the best age in Champions League, so a couple of mm. those goals he let in uh, there. And then the the one last night against the Phoenix, I thought he wasn't really in the right spot too. He could have got a hand to that. Guys, mm. the thread of the night, the eye of the needle there to get that to score that goal. So, well, um, the, the the Perth game as well. He had one that sort oh of yeah, squeezed, he had a shocker there, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah squeezed underneath one. his grasp as well. Yeah, so he he's not, not in good form. So um, that might be a concern. They might get Beringer back in a, in a couple of weeks, which will make a difference as well. Gamolka was very impressive, and Jordan Boss was very impressive to me last night. Uh, again, we're talking about this is against the second string Phoenix, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but they had to get their job done, and there was a lot of pressure put on them by those. Um, away fans, which which made a difference. So we're good on them. They've got the Premier's plate. Let's see how they, how they can go. Yeah, well, they did get the job done, as you said, and that that is absolutely everything. That is all they could do. That, at the end of the day, that was absolutely what they needed to do. Obviously, we've talked about City and Victory, the other team who were vying up until this weekend where they more or less uh, shot yep. themselves in the foot yes. against Adelaide United was Western United. Obviously, that 2-1 loss to Adelaide. It, it seemed as though... I don't know. There, there are some legitimate criticisms that have been labelled at, at, at John Aloisi's tactical approach, mm-hmm. the, the difficulty they can have against sides in transition, and Adelaide definitely a side who are adept at exploiting those counter-attacking phases. This one, though, watching it, watching it back on the replay, did feel a little bit... Did it feel unjust to you? Well, no, I think... They had to if they had to win if they had have beaten Adelaide United for them to get into second or first they needed to win like six or seven nil. Mm, that's right. True. So the victory game was done on the Saturday. They knew the results. They basically had nothing to play for. So it's it's less about the Adelaide game. It's more about than draw against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. They they drop they drop points mm. in the last few weeks that have actually shot them in the foot. So coming into this round, we had three Melbourne teams all vying for the Premier's plate in the top spot. Uh, it would have been. Quite uh, an interesting situation. They actually all played at three different games. There's three different grounds, the different states too. So a simultaneous kickoff situation like you see in most leagues throughout the world would have been ideal because you had all three teams going for it without knowing the result of uh, the mm-hmm. other game and it would have uh, played out very differently. I know there would have definitely been a different um, fan base watching Melbourne City, that's for sure, last night. Yeah. But, but United would have had something to play for. So, you know, they couldn't finish fourth um, if they lost they couldn't really finish first if they won. You know, you kind of deflated a touch, I'm sure, leading into the finals, and and that's where it ended up for them. Yeah, because it, it, it's a completely different thing. Obviously, in both circumstances, you're kind of getting secondhand mm. in the mo- if if you're playing simultaneous kickoffs, you are getting secondhand that information from a coach potentially that oh, this other team has just scored a goal. Like I remember the the iconic version or example of this is 2011-12 in England. Yep, you know. Um, Manchester United had finished their game, but the word did filter through that mm-hmm. City had had scored and City yep. had equalised. It's the similar circumstance when you already know the result going into a game. You've got to 
you know, you've got another team keeping you honest if they get the right result. But to have that in the moment, it's a completely different psychological impact, isn't it? It is. I mean, and then and then in leagues such as the UK and the rest, you've got relegation to take into place as well yes. as the titles, right? That's, Which we, we don't want to get into a pro rel debate. a subject for a different podcast. We don't have relegation, but we had the opportunity of having three three games, three separate games of the three teams going down the wire, down to the wire. You know, Sunday, 4 o'clock, why wouldn't you just throw them all in as well? Mm. There's a game on uh, Brisbane and... And Sydney tonight, which actually has no relevance to the result of the of the season, and it's just you know going through the motions really. And we could have had the chance to have those three games; it would have been would have been great, but didn't happen. We got a very peculiar and unusual atmosphere at uh, Amy Park on Monday night, but it, it was actually it was actually a lot of fun. I really well, enjoyed it. I was going to say, what, what what was the way you described it again? Peculiar, unusual, unusual. Yes. You, you, you're pretty much just describing the A-League men's to me. Well, that, correct, yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a way, it's ridiculous, but at the same time, I can't think of anything more fitting. Well, they see the banter saying, oh, you know, we've got more supporters than you, like you only come with their free tickets, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the, the players celebrating in front of the victory fans rather than in front of the city fans and all that kind of extra banter is going to add to it because if we do get an A-League grand final, <laughs> which is city and victory, yes, we just get it, extra it, and It extra. was quite strange because as, as someone without a horse in the race in mm. terms of who I wanted to, to finish top, I couldn't help but scroll through all these different bits of Twitter diatribe between Victory and City fans and think it was all a bit petty. But on the other side that's of the coin, as you said... That's how you describe the A-League. As you said, it, it fuels the rivalry and also it's it's nice to be reminded that people care enough to be to be so petty these, and to yes. be defensive and insecure. It's It's weird. Uh, I would probably pick my battles a bit differently, but it's just nice to know that people care. It is, and these are the people that we want. These are probably the people listening to us, right? Exactly. So they're the ones exactly. that, are, so that are involved. We want more people just turning up to random games that may or may not benefit their team. In the the other thing that was interesting too, so um, being being based in Melbourne, there was a lot of Richmond scarves that have the black and yellow colours of, of Wellington Phoenix in the away section with the victory fans See, that is wearing. Great. That is I know. just a level, they're going all out level of ingenuity and commitment to to bleephousery that, yep. that I can only admire. No, it was it was it was very very fun. It was um. Yes, it's very, very weird, but very, very fun. That's that 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 is that is the A League men's. Well, for Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory, they have got uh, uh, a break. Yes, until the elimination finals this weekend. Do we want to get into the elimination yeah, finals let's do now? It. Let's do it, and then we can uh, delve a little bit more into the subject of simultaneous kickoffs with a, uh, a certain guest, Pakua Frimpong, when we uh, talk about the FA Women's Super League. But this weekend, it all kicks off Saturday, seven forty-five p.m. The first elimination final here in Melbourne. Yes, and obviously we don't like to touch too much on the uh, Victorian predilections of, of this particular radio station, but it is very nice to have gone from very much feast and famine. We've got not many finals historically. Yes, played in Melbourne. Uh, to we, we're looking like we're going to have a glut of them. Well, we're going to have at least three, possibly four, yes. maybe five. Which, five, which I, right? I, look, I know there are some New South Wales listeners rolling their eyes right now and going, oh, my God, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it, it is a nice change of pace. Just this once. Just let us have this. Let us have the three teams. Which is good because we only got the, the Melbourne team um, exactly. shirts. We if need, you are, we, if yeah. you're annoyed with the, the state of play, just send us down we need Adelaide United, we need, a we need, MacArthur, we need you know, if you're out there, Jersey, and, uh, and let us pop them on there. But it does kick off with a Melbourne final, and that is Western United taking on the Wellington Phoenix, 7.45 p.m., this Saturday, Amy Park. Obviously, many people will remember that not all that long ago, mm-hmm. Western United had a bit of a shame game against Wellington Phoenix in Ballarat. They went down 4-1 yes. on the day. And Wellington are a side against whom they haven't won since their first ever meeting, since 2019. 
off the top of my head, I think it's eight meetings, yep. six wins for the Phoenix, one draw, one Western win. How do you how do you see this game? Because obviously Western, they are the higher team. Mm-hmm. Yeah? They are the third place team playing against the sixth. But they've really struggled against Wellington in particular this season. They'll be back in front of a home crowd though. Does that do enough to change things for them in not, your mind? I'm not sure because the, the home crowd is going to be quite small, as we know, Expansion Club Ooh. and the rest of it. But it, it will be. Um, and if the Phoenix do happen to, to win this one, they get a home final again. And you can see we've had 15,000 and 18,000 in their last two games in New Zealand. So that actually might be good for the league. Um, uh, if that happens, I'm not sure. So they, they played last night here at Amy Park. They would have gone home. They've got to come back again. Same Same pitch. Go again. I'm I'm not too sure. That's an interesting record when it comes to finals, but I don't think it means anything once they walk walk out there on Saturday. So, um, Western United, if they slip up here, it'll be quite the opportunity lost. Given they were actually playing as of the start of the weekend, they were playing for the Premier's plate. It would be very, well, very, very much a uh, opportunity missed. It's interesting. I, I was lucky enough for, for one of our different um, different programs in this mm-hmm. radio station, the Green Room, which is uh, is back with cross quite promotion, a, quite a quite a bevy of guests guests tomorrow. We've got a, a Ben Garuccio in studio, mm-hmm. Neil Kilkenny in studio, and then I was able to sit down and speak to John Aloisi today. Nice. And the vibe there is? Uh, well, it's an interesting one because I, I sort of – we sort of discussed the idea that in some ways, given the recent weeks, their form hasn't been great, winless in the last three heading into finals, is never the ideal mm-hmm. preparation to come up against a team who have given you a hard time in recent meetings – Again, not an ideal situation, but John Aloisi was was adamant when we were talking that this is almost the ideal opponent for them to start things off with in the sense that if they can get this result, if they can get the three points over Wellington, who are maybe in that six, the team against whom they've struggled the most this year, break that hoodoo uh, in front of the home crowd, who, as you mentioned, might not have the desired numbers, but they will make a good noise. The Western Service crew do a lot with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not... uh, not ideal, maybe more limited means compared to the likes of of Melbourne Victory. That would be a huge confidence booster if they if they can grab this one and they'd come up against a side who maybe a Melbourne Victory and maybe down the line in Melbourne City who they know that they stack up against a a, a little bit better. Is that a is that a theory you can subscribe to? Maybe I think so. Look, uh, if they're confident, it's, it should be should be noted. Like uh, I always look at when it comes to the the finals and the playoffs and those kinds of things. The goal difference is a, is a big indicator to me of how the season's actually panned out. And and Wellington Phoenix is negative fifteen. Um, granted, they've had a very very tough year. We should actually applaud the fact that they've made the finals. They've been on the road for most of the season, you know. So it is quite the effort. Um, but yeah, I. Th- Interesting. I, I think the record's out the window. I reckon Western United will win this one and then go into have some more uh, Melbourne finals coming up uh, into the, the next week and week after. I'm actually I'm really conflicted about it, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I don't know how this one is going to go. I mean, I, I'm still leaning towards a Western win. I think the fact that they're actually playing not just in Victoria but at Amy Park for the first time in what John was saying to me is, is quite a while. It's yep. been a few months. I think Melbourne victory was the last game they played at Amy Park, which is a good... Prior to Christmas, a, was yeah, it? Yeah, a good, a, good, a good two months or so, mm. um, you know, two and a half months since since now. And they've obviously played in Victoria since then, but it's been in Ballarat, it's been at different venues, they've had the games in Tasmania. So there's been a lot of that chopping and changing. So he's hopeful that that home crowd will make a difference. But these two sides didn't play all that long ago. And it was 
a resounding perform. It was a resounding win on the scoreboard for Wellington because they exposed uh, a weakness in this Western United side that we've seen a few teams do this season. And it was interesting to note that they also lost to the likes of Adelaide and Central Coast in the past few weeks, uh, two more teams that will be playing in finals. But two teams that have that sort of transitional, fast-paced, in-counter-attacks zeal to the yep. to the way they Next like to play football. Yep. Those are the kind of teams against the Western, in terms of their recovery defending, getting back into shape, mm-hmm. they don't really seem to have an answer for those teams. And obviously, the Wellington game wasn't all that long ago. The Central Coast Mariners game was two weeks ago, and the Adelaide game was the most recent fixture. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if John Aloisi has worked out a plan for those sorts of teams and if so or if he hasn't done that yet he's got until saturday well to if he had something if, out. if he had have done that that would be premier's <laughs> they'd be holding exactly. the premier's plate so it's an interesting one i yeah i, I mean I, i'll put it this way i do think that the home crowd will make a massive difference to have the western service crew to be at amy park mm. a, a place where they do get good results they enjoy the players, the fans, the coaching staff, they all enjoy being there. But it, this is this game for me is is no guarantee by any stretch of the imagination because they're going to have to figure out a plan for a style of team that I don't think they've had a plan or a working plan for many times this season. When Western have had the ball or more of the ball than their opponents, often they've struggled. Yeah, it's again as a toss of the coin. I think the form the form elimination finals, the other one. If you wanted to talk about. Um you know, Adelaide United and Central Coast Mariners yeah. won the last five games on the trot each and have uh, exciting players across the across the attacking side of both teams that have been quite amazing. And the late goals of the of Adelaide that we've seen throughout the season where they managed to pinch results. Uh, and then, you know, Jason Cummings and the likes of Quoll and, and, and Kololo and these guys for the Mariners have, have been fantastic. Um, I'm actually really excited for Sunday's game as well yeah. on the other side of it. So it's interesting to see how that one's going to play out. I mean, for, for very different reasons, I think these are actually two really, really captivating elimination mm. finals. I think I actually think that obviously there is a set order. We have a process for doing these things. But I, I think there is a – I like to think that up in the heavens there's an A-League men's script writer who's like, who are the best possible <laughs> – what results can I influence to create the best possible elimination finals? I think we've got them here in – in Western Wellington, that game that does have a you know historical, I guess, element of rivalry yep. to it, and then the two teams who have been probably most known for their exciting young talent stepping mm-hmm. up on the big stage in Adelaide and Central Coast. I mean, that, that, those two are almost the, the perfect matchups of who who was available in the top, in and around the top six going into the final few months. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I I think Western. I think I'm going with the the home teams. I think Western United and Adelaide United are going to be the winners, yeah. but possibly going to be cheering for the the other ones just gonna, for the uh, permutations of a, a Mariners home final and a and a Phoenix returning to New Zealand. Um, I'm going to make a bold claim here. I, I think I think Adelaide and Central Coast could be one of the I've seen a, a lot of I can't remember which final was it that's been doing the rounds on Twitter in the past few days. It was like a 5-4. I think it might have been Adelaide United and Perth Glory okay, yep. 2018. I think I can't remember what the final score is, but it was goals galore. I think it went to extra time. I could see Adelaide and Central Coast with the exuberance of some of the players that are that are on offer, the younger mm-hmm. talents, particularly towards the late game. I, I think we could see this being a game that goes, let's hope goes, so. goes, goes yeah, the yeah. distance. Yeah, let's hope that's, so. That's what I'll, I'll put there. But 
Look, we we spent enough time looking into the crystal ball. Jason's going with both home teams. I am as yet undecided, but I think football will be the winner at the end of the day. And um, the only shame about what's led up to these games is that we didn't decide the makeup of the table with a simultaneous kickoff, which... We'll get to chat about uh, chat about the idea of a simultaneous kickoff to Pakua Frimpong when we chat a bit of FA Women's Super League. Sam Kerr taking out the title with Chelsea to um, add to her overflowing tro- trophy cabinet. And that's just this yeah. season uh, on the other side of this break here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Welcome back here on the Oz Football Hour. If you're just joining us, we've wrapped up our domestic commitments for the time being. We are going international. The A-League men's, they were no simultaneous kickoffs to be found locally, but over on the other side, we did have... A connection, an Australian connection to simultaneous kickoffs in the FA Women's Super League, where on a dramatic final day and one that brings great pain, Jason, to the guest who is about to join us, Pakua Frimpong. Chelsea claimed FA Women's Super League glory. Sam Kerr scoring two two of the best, one of the best braces you will ever see in a four-two win. In a four-two win over Manchester United, which meant that Pakua Frimpong's Arsenal side, or she doesn't play for them, but the yeah. Arsenal side that she supports, missed out on the title by one single point. You know what, Lucky? That slow rundown. So I didn't need it. Um, quite frankly. Great. Well, 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 cool. Let's yeah. okay. Let's let's we'll get to the emotional Arsenal element of this first. Shall we? Shall we start with what this means in an Australian context? Let's talk about the simultaneous kickoff yeah. because I, I I had I had the Chelsea game on the big screen, yeah, and I had the Arsenal game on my laptop because it mattered the least. If in all honesty, well, Chelsea lost, and yeah. then the other game was going to come on on board, so it was great to watch the score. And so then there's I had a live ladder on my phone as well, so seeing what was happening, so. Man United went ahead twice against against Chelsea and, and Arsenal seemed to be in control. Yeah. So that the permutations were, were there for those two games to watch. Obviously, Arsenal with the Australian contingent at Steph Catley and, and Lydia Williams. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden at 2-1 down, Sam Kerr goes um, left foot volley and, and then the rest was done, wasn't it? The s- simultaneous kickoffs were phenomenal because it not only did it matter for Chelsea and Arsenal, it actually mattered for Man United if they were going to make, you know, top four and go to the Champions League next year. So it, it all around, I'm a massive fan of simultaneous kickoffs. As, you know, football fans, we remember Aguero kicking that goal and Man United fans walking around in absolute disbelief. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's only the second time we've brought it up on this uh, this program tonight. Yes, so. I'm just, but it's it's needed and I think it's important, especially when you get into, you know, the last, uh, the last round. And if it's, you know, close, sometimes I guess people are like, oh, why does it matter if, you know, who somebody's already decided it? But... For the atmosphere, there's always something that to play for, you know. Mm-hmm. There's always pride. For me, I actually was in the movies when this game was going on. Which movie? Uh, after Yang, great indie film from uh-huh. A24. It's very nice. Everybody should go check it out. But um, 
I had the I was like looking constantly. I probably was that annoying person in the cinema. Oh, the light was coming. No, off. but so I, 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 if it makes you feel any better, I was actually doing the exact same yeah. thing when Perth were playing Melbourne City during yeah, no, just, uh, a screening of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Seen that? It was a great movie. Great movie. Um, but. As I walked out of the cinema and I was heading home, I saw Sam Kerr score that fourth goal and my knee I just dropped to my knees and I think the cinema staff were looking at me going, is she okay? Like is somebody – is somebody like <laughs> died? Eat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was – I think it was great spectacle and it was, it was a really interesting season all around. We had a really big period off in January, so it was nice to finish on like a high of, you know, games and really mattered at the end. So Sam Kerr's won uh, with Chelsea again. But her goal-scoring record, are we just um, become oblivious to and it numb. here now and numb because it just happens so regularly that we actually we see those two goals that are absolutely both just amazing and we're just oh, yeah, that's Sam Kerr, that's what she does? I think a little bit. We're because, spoiled. Because, yeah, some of her goals, you know, are like the simple tap, tap-ins, but she scores with her head, her right, left foot. Like it doesn't matter. She will score from anywhere. And I think maybe because this year Minamar wasn't as competitive in front of goal, people kind of – were like, oh, Sam Kerr's run away with. So we weren't as focused on the goals she was scoring because it wasn't in a competitive, like, tally, you know, you know those two together. But she scored some fabulous goals. And that second goal was a – is to me, I look at it, I'm like, oh, this is the goal that Henri scored. And it's just like, why do you have to punish Arsenal with an Arsenal-less goal? Like, I just it could don't, be more painful, uh, more Arsenal if you tried, if really. She tried, but she's phenomenal and it's – Players like her only, you know, come around once in a generation. We're very lucky to have her play for the Matildas, but uh, it's disappointing that, you know, she can't play for Arsenal. It would be nice. And what about with the Matildas? Like she's got Fran Kirby providing yeah. it to her a lot and she works so well in tandem there. Is, is she being used correctly, do you think? For mm. me, I don't think so. I think she shouldn't be playing as the the striker. I think Caitlin Ford should be playing as the striker because I think Sam Kerr can go a little bit deeper and even if she plays her out wide, she can come in, but I don't think she, her having can, her. Can you play them together? Is I that, think you can is, play is like them a, together. A two system, something that I might you, work for Australia. You can play them together, but Sam's actually really good with at passing and you know a good facilitator. But with you know getting Gory and Fowler in the team, like now, there shouldn't be an excuse for Sam Kerr not to get the ball and not to be in different types of positions as opposed to you know that. That you know that soccer is when they used to just lob it up to Tim Cahill and you know you just pray he'd get it. We don't need to do that with Sam Kerr because she's a little to me she's more skilled at you know on the park at times than Tim what Tim Cahill can, could have provided. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Tim Cahill and that response because it, it brought me to or brings me to a question that I wanted to put to both of you. I was reading earlier today uh, an article about Sam Kerr from uh, Joey Lynch. You can go check it out in the Guardian, but he ba- basically put the point that Sam Kerr is basically reaching that almost Tim Cahill level of status where she sort of transcends the actual sport that 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 she plays. She is becoming bigger than the Matildas itself, bigger than yeah. the actual sport itself. She is that sort of that major figure that is is over the top. Is that is that a, a theory that you think are we reaching that point with Sam Kerr in, in Australian football? Have to be, absolutely, because not only is she doing it with the national team, she's won, what, like seven golden boots in, yep. in three different countries, right? And so when the when the US was the top women's league, she's winning golden boots, and now the UK is the top, or England's the top women's league, she's winning golden boots and absolutely smashing it, and probably against a harder opposition now, she's, she's getting better and better. 
I think she does. You know, it's weird because, you know, we've got like Ellie Carpenter and stuff like that who have played for really big teams and are amazing. But with as football fans, we love the goals and the goals are the easy things to identify. It's not hard. It's not easy for some football fans to recognize great defending what Ellie Carpenter does provide, who mm-hmm. probably is the second biggest, besides like Steph Cowley, who's also a defender. I think Sam Kerr is in a way bigger than the Matildas and obviously not one player is bigger than the national team, but... When, you know, if you asked every, you know, general people who didn't really know much about football, they probably could tell you who Sam Kerr is Absolutely, and, yeah. you know, could tell you something, you know, they well, could list the backflips or something, but Sam Kerr is the well, bigger the, name right now than the Matildas. And the backflips aren't there like they yeah, used exactly, to be, right? She doesn't need to because now there's left foot volleys and she's chesting it down and, yeah. and, and lobbing the keeper. Like, it's just amazing. Yeah. I, I, I loved, what I loved the most was that that was leading the sports on all of the, the breakfast television on Monday morning. Yeah, that and, magnificent. And, and as we said at the, the, the top of the program, Jason, how rare it is for a sport, I mean, a football-related story to a, have that kind good one, of... Yeah, um, good news story. ...have that kind of traction. But, yeah, re- reading the rap sheet here, I mean, three WSL titles, two League Cups, a Community Shield, an FA Cup, and obviously back-to-back golden boots and the, the icing on the cake is that PFA Women's Player of the Year award. Yeah. Standing alongside in the company... Of of Muhammad Salah. I mean, I'm not Sorry, even. Sorry, Mo was in her company. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. Very, thank you. Thank you very much. That's a great point. But I, I don't even think it's a it's a question of of surpassing Tim Cahill or surpassing the material. I mean, we're we're talking about across all competitions, across yeah. all sports people, one of top I three, think, top five in, yeah, in in the whole of Australia at at the present moment. Absolutely. I think that you know she's reaching a stage where she could be the biggest sports, you know, star in this country. I think if – I don't know she's the biggest female athlete because I think Ash Barty's incredibly popular and – She's retired She's now, retired no, It's but old like, news. Yeah, but, like, old but I think that the marketing strategy behind Sam Kerr, I think it needs to be ramped up because I think next year as well, I think Mita might leave Arsenal. So Sam Kerr might win another, you know, scoring title again. So – she needs to be bigger. We need to see her on more ads because we see her on one of the Combank ads. Uh, I can't list all the ads off my top of my head. Combank definitely one of them. Definitely one of them. Seared into the old yeah, brain. But she does mate too. I she think does she does. Adidas. The, yeah, she's she, an Adidas. Yep, definitely mate yeah. again. Yep. Another one. But she needs to be on everything. And if she wasn't playing football, let's say she was playing tennis or or some of these other sports, she would be. A, she would comfortably. You wouldn't have to question if she was the number one female or even like you know athlete in the country. I think there's a little bit step she needs to go, which I don't think she should have to because no, she's we, done incredible we, things, yeah. but it's just the nature of the Australian sports landscape. We need to do it. We need to push and push and yeah. push and push, especially leading into the Women's World Cup. It's the, she is the biggest selling point mm. we've got by miles. Well, I mean, I, I think I think the Women's World Cup, having that here can only sort of help that star to rise. Wow, that, lucky. That ascent, the advertising elements of it will uh, only assist her, I would imagine. Absolutely, but if the Matildas, you know, do poorly, mm. then I knew we, you were going to be. No, I, I, but I, you know, if the Matildas are at risk of doing kind of poorly in that tournament because because they get put into that, you know, that first pot, they may get stuck with one of these hard teams that have fallen down just because of where Australia and New Zealand go. If they don't do well, then everybody maybe starts questioning it, which I don't think they should, and I don't think they have the right to. Mm. But I think it's just natural for humans to be like, oh. You know, maybe are they? You know, is she really all the that real hot? Deal, yeah. yeah. Well, well, on the subject of, of Australians not doing as well, or Matilda's not doing as well 
as they would have liked. The other side of this coin, and uh, before I go into it, I've got to give a shout out as well to Tanya Oxtoby, the yeah. assistant coach Absolutely. in the Chelsea. Yeah. So it, it's been a good, it's a pretty good weekend to be an Australian coach. Mm. I mean, David Zrilic, uh, an assistant at Genoa, obviously got a great result. Uh, doesn't necessarily save Genoa from relegation, <laughs> but he got a good result in Serie A this weekend. We'll talk about Ange on the other side of uh, our break, soon to be upcoming. But the other side of the coin. Didn't Joe Montemurro as well? Joe Montemurro yeah, as well, yes. yes. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, the girls. We Again, it continues to just solidify what a week this has been. But the other side of the coin is the Arsenal Matildas. Yeah. Where did it go wrong? Because obviously they, they won their game on the final day of the season. But was this was this a obviously one point you didn't really go that yeah. wrong? But is there a specific moment no, for someone but, who's but been really see, paying attention to the side this year? I will year? say, if you look at the one point, you go, oh, Arsenal must have had a great season. But I actually don't – there was a period – Arsenal started really well. They beat Chelsea off the bat. Now, mind you, a lot of Chelsea players were off because Sam Kerr had just come back from – like she wasn't right. playing because of the Olympics. Yeah. And we won because Beth Mead scored a goal, which was very much offside if you've looked at the photo. Arsenal were good, and there was a lot of talk on oh, Arsenal going to go invincible. We almost did, certainly. But the playing style at times, the goals dried up, which is weird to say for a side that's got Miedema, who you know came second the year before in the goal-scoring tally – and we, under Joe Montemiro, we scored lots of goals. We were really creative, but we lacked goals. And we lost to Birmingham City, who are going to get relegated. And that was our only loss of the season. Had we beaten them, even if we drew, we drew to Chelsea, which the game we should have won, the second one, This Arsenal should never have been placed in this position. The mm. playing style was poor. There was some poor managerial decisions at times. Players who you thought... You know, should have played. You know, uh, Ian Wright made a tweet said, "Why is Manor Ibushi not playing?" I question that the whole season. She's fantastic little player who you know gets into these little in between spaces. But unfortunately for Arsenal, when it really mattered, sometimes we fail to score, and that's what it comes down to. And that's why Chelsea, you know, are I mean, the to, to, to lose to a relegated team in the lead up to the final day of the season, that feels like about no, as... but it, it wasn't so. Like it was quite early. Oh. It was much oh, earlier. So okay, we, we okay. beat them the second time, but the, the first time we faced them, we just they put 11 players behind the ball and we just could not break them down. And they scored two goals against us. And our defence at times has been quite shaky and we've been through multiple defensive partnerships. Leah Williamson went out at times as well. But I don't think that's an excuse for a side that's going down. And, you know, they've been competitive against some of these bigger, other bigger sides. But I think Arsenal, when it really mattered, they faltered and they didn't show conviction they needed well it's despair for the Matilda stars as part Except of the Arsenal Catholic. game she despair, scored. Despair she scored she for, did, did. She yeah. scored a great goal despair, for, goal. despair for, for, uh, for Pakua Frimpong as well but Pakua hopefully this chat has been cathartic for you you can uh, yeah. pick yourself back up get back to the drawing board but yeah. also have a chance to appreciate and respect the absolute uh Accomplishment. I love Sam Kerr, but I hate of, him at the same time. Of Sam Kerr. <laughs> Easy to well, do. you yeah. can do that. Kudos to Sam Kerr. On the other side of this break, we're going to be chatting to uh, an, another Australian who is getting set. Uh, touch wood, uh, touch whatever rabbit's foot you've got to hand. You know, cross your fingers and your toes. Uh, getting set to celebrate similar uh, league title glory in Ange Postacoglu. But uh, more on him on the other side of the break. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Mavia. 
for the final time this evening here on the Oz Football Hour. We're doing a bit of a, almost like an Australian backpackers kind of trip here, aren't we? We, we started we're heading in Australia, north, yeah. the origin, we made it across to London to talk about uh, the north and the west, Chelsea and London. Via, the women's via Thailand too, with the Asian Champions League. Exactly, yeah. via Thailand. It's getting more and more cliche by yeah. the moment, but we are up north in the coldest place in the world, well, compared to Australia at least, uh, in Scotland, where Ange Postacoglu is one single point, one single point away from Scottish Premiership glory with Celtic. They play Dundee United 8.30pm tomorrow night, Wednesday. So a very, if you are an Australian football enthusiast, a very accessible kickoff time if you do potentially want to watch Ange's coronation. But the game over the weekend that put them in that finest margin touching distance of crowning themselves champions was their 4-1 win, as much as it pains me to admit it, over Hearts at the weekend. Jason, I, I, I don't really know what more superlatives we can use to describe uh, Ange's job that he's done at Celtic or ones that haven't been brought into the conversation by other people on soccer Twitter, but do your best. Okay, Where's so- the head at for this one? So uh, Hart scored the first goal and then and then Celtic put four past them. So like the game itself, we'll probably gloss over. I guess when we, we're talking about Ange, we're talking about Ange as, a, as a, you know, a manager living his best life in an environment that appreciates him the most and, and that's what's happening. But I think that the other thing that I took from that was just the footage of him putting his arm around Cam Devlin at the end of the, at the, end of the game. And so Cam obviously being an Aussie playing for Hearts Ange being an Aussie in, in Scotland, still chatting to him and uh, putting his arm around him and I guess I'm sure being out there to reach out and talk to him. And there was an article this week as well saying that now he's he's talking to all the Australian coaches and that we might be on the verge of a, a golden generation of, of coaches. And he's he was dropping names like he talks to, to, um, to Musket and he talks to Pappas and he talks to Kleminski and now is like Popovich and... Paddy Kisnorbo and the rest. So maybe that's where we're, we're heading. So stop me if I'm going a little bit over, over the top here, Jason. Is Ange the Jesus of Australian football? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Like he's, got okay. his, he's got his – he is the but, leader. He's got his uh, coaching disciples that he's uh, getting would, his teachings down. Which one is the Judas? That's what I concerns I wouldn't, me. I wouldn't call him that to the Celtic <laughs> fans perhaps. So maybe the Godfather or something like that might be better. Or I the, like Or that. the Rangers fans uh, there actually take that is, on. I have somewhere locked away in the uh, – the deep recesses of my camera roll, a yep. Photoshop of Ange as the in Godfather. A, the Godfather movie poster, there you go. yep. and so that that is actually that is a perfect one. But yeah, we don't need, we don't need to touch too much on the game, but we can talk plenty about Ange the person and and the job he's done. We obviously, or you obviously, I should say, uh, spoke last week to Chris McLaughlin, mm-hmm. and yep. I remember speaking to him on the verge of this appointment, and basically what we said at the time was that this is either going to be a match made in hell mm-hmm. or a match made in heaven. And it has definitely been it definitely been the latter and not the former for Ange. And, and, and a lot of people in England have had to walk back on their initial opinions. Ange has really – the job he's done to prove people wrong by – again, it's not guaranteed, but he's got to get a point against Dundee and Motherwell. Mm-hmm. It's yep. about as guaranteed as you can get. There's – I think 30 or so points between Celtic and, and Dundee on the table, maybe even maybe even more. I mean, Hearts, whom they beat 4-1 on the weekend, beat Dundee United pretty convincingly a few weeks ago. So it's, it's that close. But it, it's just a remarkable job he's done to prove everyone wrong. And the bit I like most about it, Jason, is that he has done it 
all through this time without ever once, as he always has been, be it whatever job he's had in Australian football, without compromising on his tactical beliefs. He hasn't done that at all. Brought in the players that he wanted to, to bring in as well with a, on a limited budget, had to use their coaching staff and work through that. So the, the, the other thing, so David Davudovic's um, pick of the old, uh, his little piece on Optus on the old firm derby is worth checking out if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. He's actually on the sidelines as they go through and hit the front uh, 1-0 against Rangers. Really worth watching. It goes for about... Six or seven minutes, you can probably find that online. The other thing that's interesting to me that I actually don't find it cringy that the fans have got inflatable kangaroos and are wearing swagman hats with corks I, I and stuff. Like, I honestly quite like it's the not, buy-in. It's not cringy. Like if we, were, if we were supporting the Socceroos at home doing that, don't think uh, it, it would have the same gloss. But, I mean, the buy-in has been amazing. When you, it's not cringy at all. It's like they, they love this guy. No, and, and it, it really is helping to build – this synergy that is seems to you know it started off a little bit um antagonistic the relationship between uh soccer twitter and and, and fitbit twitter because yep. they were sort of punching tr- or attempting to punch down on one another without realizing they were in fact on equal, fo- yeah. on equal footing <laughs> yes. yep. but now we're really starting to see that partnership flourish because obviously we've seen the the maroon colored australian flags at hearts games they've yep. got their little contingency going but Plenty of Australian players. I mean, Keanu Bacchus, uh, Chanchard for Western Sydney as well. Over there, yeah. Link with moves to the SPFL. So this might be the the start of uh, and, and the 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 team the players who have crossed over from the two national teams. It might be the start or the um, beautiful friendship, the renaissance yeah, yeah. of of a really a really beautiful friendship. Indeed, you to see that Lyndon Dykes and uh, yeah. and Harry Suter and, and, and my, Marty my, Boyle crossover. My favorite yeah. bit going back to the the whole uncompromising. On his principles and idea, is as we've as we've made the point, he only needs one more mm. a single draw. We'll get him there. He's got two games in which to do it. Be very easy in that situation to batten down the hatches, yep. to put eleven players behind the ball and just eke out the result that will guarantee you victory. What do you reckon plays. the percentage yeah, chances yeah, yeah, yeah. of it's Ange not, doing not, that are? Absolutely he yep. zero. He is not doing that by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the only the only loser from from this situation is, I mean, the discourse that people have to put up with between Rangers and Celtic fans when they argue who's the more impressive. If Rangers win the Europa League, they have yeah, to of course, have their uh, yeah. have their petty fight online about who had the bigger achievement, who had the better season. But for us down in Australia, uh, regardless of whether you've got a horse in the Scottish Premiership race or not, you, it's just an amazing, amazing feat that, like, that we've, in a coaching sense, we haven't come anything close to. We this haven't before. not not on the not on a global scale, which is which is magnificent. If you want to continue your backpacker theory too, Lockie, if you want to just cross the border just a little bit, well, Sunderland. I, I quite like it in Scotland. No, no, I, no, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Sunderland. So, um, uh, one of the clubs that potentially helped a lot of people in lockdown with uh, Sunderland Till I Die Netflix series. Which I guess they were Sunderland fans. They were. Yes. Well, it's um, it, it helped a lot of us get through uh, yep. a lot of uh, lonely time. But um, And we had Jack Rodwell end up playing here in Australia. But we also have Bailey Wright playing for Sunderland. And the, Sunderland knocked out Sheffield Wednesday and Massimo Luongo uh, overnight to make the playoff to actually get uh, elevated into the championship. So on the 22nd of May at midnight, Sunderland will take on the Wickham Wanderers. So does that mean, are we a chance of seeing 
because obviously they are, they are playing against Wickham. Mm. The bit that excites me about this, other than the obvious patriotic, another you know yeah. uh, Australian Aussie, player yeah. overseas celebrating a bit of success, will Bailey Wright get to go directly and match up against Adebayo Akinfenwa, the man, <laughs> the man Mountain? I don't know. We'd have to check into that, look into that closer. I haven't looked through that. I mean, so he, much. he he is still with Wickham. He's mm-hmm. still he's still available. I saw him doing his full time interviews after the one nil uh, after the result against against MK Dons across the two legs. He's still around. So this may be a, a massive moment in Australian football for the success of an individual player in Bailey Wright, who I yeah. will say as a as a former Langwarren junior, got to mm-hmm. shout him out. Yes, uh, but also for for meme content. Is always say massive inclusion? Is that what you meant? When oh you were yeah, that? Yes, yes, yes. In okay. in he, he is a, a massive inclusion in all senses of the word. Was there a, a, another Aussie in promotion hope that you wanted to shout out before we uh, head off? Swindon Town, uh, owned by an Australian, uh, and they are in a two-legged playoff with Port Vale to make the championship playoff for League oh. Two. Now, Swindon Town were on the on the on the brink of um, bankruptcy before being uh, purchased outright by Clem Morfunu, who's an Australian from Sydney. Yes, that's right. Um, I do remember and that. yeah, so they actually will start off this Sunday against Port Vale, and uh, and then have a follow up the week after. So there's a potential for them to get promotion, which would be an amazing story. And if we want to come back on our backpackers trip via the Middle East, absolutely, the Socceroos have announced a, a friendly with Jordan. Uh, three or four days. Uh, I think it's four before. Four the, days before uh, the playoff the with the UAE. So interesting, interesting timing. Is that is that a good or a bad thing to have it scheduled so close? Because I guess you could either make the argument that it's great for them to have that early warm up, or maybe that it's too close. I think they've got to put them together, or maybe we need like uh, time for Jason Cummings to gel with the with the midfield. Well, I mean that is that is about as uh, good and important as a final message as we could ho- possibly hope to sign this show. Thanks. As always, Jason, another hour in the books. Cap the cum dog. Cap Our final word here on the Oz Football Hour. That's all for us uh, here on the program. We've reached the 7 o'clock watermark. But do stick around because coming up on the other side of this break, we have Nick DeBarno and one of the greatest people in Victorian football to join us on the station for the return, Jason, of Paco Radio. I'll be listening to this with a very keen interest because Lou Toner is a man that is worth listening to. And you'll get to listen to him on the other side of this uh, nice little intro music. But for, until next week from us on the Oz Football Hour, Jason Goldsmith and Lockie Flanagan, it's goodbye for now. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! Unbelievable kick. Come on, yeah.